Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Raouf Halim. He's the CEO of Spectra 7 Microsystems. Welcome, Raouf. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be with you. So, Raouf, for those that aren't familiar with Spectra 7, can you just give us a, a quick overview of the company? You bet. Uh, Spectra 7 is a San Jose-based uh, high-performance analog semiconductor company. We focused on connectivity markets. We're a micro-cap company growing rapidly and uh, very excited to be joining you today. Okay. And, and so what, uh, what is the product and, and what markets do you serve? Yeah, so our product um, is basically what was referred to signal conditioning high-performance analog chip, basically a device that is embedded within a copper cable, and more specifically in the connectors at either end of a copper cable, uh, enabling that uh, relatively inexpensive, ubiquitous uh, copper conductor to carry very high-speed data over a particularly thin, light uh, copper interconnect, uh, often referred to as active copper cabling, uh, a new entrant into connectivity in, in a variety of end markets and is rapidly being adopted due to its many benefits uh, to the um, interface and, and interconnect uh, style. Okay. And then how big a market is your addressable market? So uh, the, the primary market we're addressing today is data center interconnects. Historically, Spectra 7 started with uh, consumer cabling, and particularly think HDMI, think USB-style cables. It grew rapidly with the advent of virtual reality tethered devices. These are displays, um, you know, 3D head-mounted displays that uh, need to connect over a very thin, light, and long cable back to a host, like, like a laptop or a game console. But today the company is most focused on data center interconnects, and that market we expect to be growing to well north of $400 million of annual revenue over the course of the next four years. Okay. And then what's the competitive landscape look like? So uh, our primary competitor is really an indirect um, uh, alternative that data center operators, those would be names like Google's, Amazon's, Alibaba's, Tencent's, et cetera, can choose to deploy, and that's an optical fiber. So basically for the longer reaches, higher performance interconnects, um, active copper cable provides a very unique value proposition vis-a-vis -vis optical fiber. It's about a tenth the power and half the cost. So you save both in the, the cost of, of outlaying uh, a data center up front, what's commonly known as capital expenditure, and then also you save greatly on the electrical bill or the operational expenditures on an ongoing basis. So it's quite compelling in that regard. You save on both fronts, CapEx and OpEx, over optical fiber. Today, there's no direct competitor providing a chip that, that um, uh, you know, competes directly with Spectra 7, although we expect over the course of the next couple of years, there will be entrance. It's just too attractive a market that's growing too rapidly uh, for us to be left alone. We absolutely expect to be at least one or two competitors in the next couple of years. But today, we own the market. Gotcha. And what would you say your biggest strength or, or core competency is? Well, you know, uh, it's certainly the core competency of designing very high-performance um, analog signal conditioning products is one that is rare and is difficult to, to, uh, to execute to. But more importantly, it's really understanding the, the, the very complex um, interrelated technical issues of plain old copper. Uh, copper, although it sounds like a simple uh, phenomenon, a simple um, 
you know, conductor, it's actually very complex due to its many different loss and attributes and impairments at high speed. So it's really the complexity of how do you mate um, a chip to a, a copper cable, make the system all work at high speed, and particularly with low power, um, targeting applications like data centers, uh, obviously virtual reality and other markets. So it's really solving the system problem of what people call signal integrity using high-performance analog technology. It's quite a mouthful. I'm sorry. You know, that's <laughs> getting funny. a little technical here. Yeah. So, so how big of a pain point is it for the customer? Is it a, you know, a nice to have or if it's really important or, or where does it fall? Well, frankly, as, as, as these data centers move up in performance, and just to give you a sense, it was really only a few years ago that most data centers were running at about 10 gigabits Ethernet data rates and only quite recently moved up to 100. Now they're transitioning to 200, 400, in the next couple of years, 800 gigabit per second, uh, blazing fast infrastructure. Connectivity becomes a, a huge pain point for these data center operators. In fact, in many cases, the power dissipation of the entire data center is equally distributed between the interconnects and the actual equipment itself, server switches, etc. So it is, it is a, a pretty big pain point for them and also a significant cost element when they, when they build out the data center. And in fact, you know, when, when you get to 800 gigabits per second, the effectiveness of copper cabling is greatly reduced. It's almost impossible to use plain copper and optical becomes prohibitively expensive, not to mention power hungry and hot to the touch. So, it, it, you know, active copper cabling, which is the phenomena that we have um, innovated, developed, and, and are now deploying, uh, is really the, the, the solution that everybody's looking for today. I don't care who the operator is in North America, in, in, in China, Japan, you name it. Everybody's looking to active copper cabling as the best solution to solve those pain, pro pain points that they have. Okay. And, and so as speed increases, is your addressable market going to increase as well? Yes, it certainly does, because the penetration of active copper cables goes up, but also the content, meaning the, um, you know, the, the dollar value of our technology per cable also goes up. So it's very beneficial. You get you sort of, a, uh, you know, a doubling up of, or, or a double benefit of higher volumes combined with higher ASPs as speeds go up. Okay. And then how about your technology? Is it protected? Yeah, we have 55 issued patents including several patents that we consider to be essential to the whole phenomena of developing, deploying uh, an active copper cable. So, yeah, we're, we're really the pioneers in this area, the people who uh, defined the technology, developed the technology, patented it, and feel we are very well protected in this regard. Very good. And so what are the, the main verticals you guys are addressing? So the, the, uh, in its infancy, Spectra 7 was focused on uh, the consumer vertical. Um, think use cases like, for instance, um, the, you know, large uh, displays that may be by the side of a freeway on, on the side of a building uh, where the host computer is sitting 50 meters, maybe even 100 meters away. You need special purpose HDMI cables that are very long and can carry high-speed data rates between the source and the display. Uh, that's just one example. Large media rooms, theaters, um, you know, home automation systems, etc., are, are applications that need these special purpose, long, thin, high-speed HDMI cables. That's where the company first found, uh, you know, where that was the first vertical, the first suite of applications for Spectra 7, 
where the technology got deployed, hardened, and accepted universally. The customers were names you might recognize, like Monster Cable, Harman, Carden, many other uh, brands. Uh, and in fact, the company was also selling uh, finished cables at the retail level. Um, the next vertical was virtual reality, VR, AR, and VR devices. There we were adopted by um, Facebook Oculus, HTC, Google, many other um, manufacturers of these types of uh, head-mounted displays that needed, once again, a thin, light, long, and very high-speed copper cable to connect back to the host. Right? Today, the company is very much for, focused on the data center vertical. It's huge. It's growing rapidly. And as you pointed out, or as you asked earlier, there's a, a very significant pain point around interconnect in data centers. However, going forward, we think there's actually three very attractive adjacent verticals that we plan to grow into over time. One is clearly inside the box, meaning inside the switch or a server, where our technology may well be needed to interconnect electronics on the motherboard itself. Another one is uh, cabling that connects um, radio heads in a 5G infrastructure back to the network. Um, those are typically 10 to 20 meter long cables. Uh, they need to be uh, hardened to temperature because they typically sit outside at the curb um, uh, next, next to a building. Um, active copper cables have a, a very unique value in those installations because they're uh, quite robust to temperature and environmental changes versus, let's say, optical. And then uh, last but not least is the electric vehicle. Weight considerations, power considerations are paramount with an electric vehicle. And again, light, thin, long copper cables are very valuable in an electric vehicle. So it's sort of three verticals today and three to expand into over time. Okay. So, so just so I'm clear, you're not actually making cable. You're making the chips on each side of the cable. Is, is that correct? Precisely, yeah. We are the chip inside the cable. You got it. Our okay. direct customers are names like Molex, Foxconn, Amphenol, many, many others who actually make the finished cable harness. We simply provide them the chip and enable them with the know-how to build the finished uh, copper bundle. Bundle or sometimes referred to as a harness. We don't do that, but we provide the, the know-how and the electronics to empower it. Okay. So, so what is your marketing channel then? Is it these cable companies? No, we actually evangelize directly and market directly to the end customers. Those would be, you know, uh, basically manufacturers um, of equipment, but also uh, hyperscaler data center operators. You know, names like, again, Google's AWS, uh, Facebook Oculus, uh, I mean, Facebook, uh, certainly Tencent, Alibaba, and others. Uh, so those, you know, we market to, 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 to the end customers, and we partner with the cable assemblers to provide the uh, complete finished solution to the end customer. So we go to market really two, two ways, two-pronged. One is with uh, the cable assemblers themselves, and the other way is with the, with the data center operators. Okay. So, so you had a, a nice uh, report uh, recently. Um, your numbers, is that the trajectory now? Is this starting to scale now? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're delighted with where we are. Uh, even the initial uh, adoption and, and order uh, from some of the early hyperscalers um, deploying Spectra 7 is, is quite transformational for Spectra 7. Um, we announced at the beginning of Q4, in other words, early October, that our backlog was 7.2 million. It has grown significantly since then. Um, and, and that is a reflection of, of incredible de demand growth um, for Spectra 7 products. Historically, 
backlog would be around half a million to a million. We're talking you know, many multiples of that. Um, and we expect that at the midpoint of, this, of, this, uh, of our guidance for this quarter to do about $3 million of revenue, which is up 100% over Q3, which itself was 100% up over Q2. So doubling every quarter, expecting profitability this current fourth quarter, looking forward to a tremendous 2022. So are, are there any supply chain issues, or are you able to grow as fast as you, you want? Because it sounds like there's plenty of demand. Yeah, we're, our growth is not limited by demand whatsoever. Today it's limited by supply availability. As you probably know, Jeff, in this industry, semiconductor industry today, there's significant supply um, tightness, right? I mean, no, no one can get enough semiconductors today, whether it's you know, vehicles, smartphones, data centers, you name it. There's not enough silicon to satisfy the demand. Uh, that's also impacting us, right? One of the reasons we completed uh, very recently uh, a very successful almost $15 million Canadian raise was to get enough working capital into the company so we could prepay and secure capacity from our suppliers. So we're working hard at it. It's, it's a real problem. Demand is no longer a constraint for Spectre 7. We could be growing by leaps and bounds today if we had the supply for it. It's really all about securing the capacity, uh, the wafers, back, what, what people call back-end capacity, assembly tests, and so forth, to um, really shift um, the most we can towards the orders that we have on the books today. So it is, it is a, a challenge. It will continue probably to be a challenge for next year, 2022. We're working it hard, but even with that, um, with that headwind, we are doubling every quarter and have been doubling every quarter this year. Okay. And, and the, the sales cycle, can you give me some, some color on that, how that works? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very unique and somewhat lengthy sales cycle in the sense that from the time that um, you engage the market, in particular hyperscaler data centers with a new technology, um, it, to, to the time that they, they start evaluating it um, and hopefully start testing and ultimately qualifying, meaning um, you know, fully adopted, it's about a four-year adoption cycle from the time you say go to when you have uh, production orders on the books. Uh, but then after that, uh, you're, you're shipping product for at least five to ten years. That's how long the deployment cycle looks like. So it's a long development slash sales cycle, but ultimately an even longer um, revenue cycle once once you've been approved. Okay. So I'm a little fuzzy on on the growth. So you've given some some nice guidance. I, I, is the is biggest factor their supply chain for you? Is that what goes into yeah. that number? Or can you grow faster yeah. than that? We, we, we can grow much. If, if supply was not an issue, we'd grow at a far faster rate than we have guided to already. Um, so as, again, what, what, what we have provided as guidance and our perspective on revenue growth is, let's call it supply judged. So it's informed by and discounted by the amount of supply that we can get our hands on. Um, we have guided long-term to growing at least 60%, that's 60 60% CAGR year-on-year, um, and, and expect our gross margins to improve to somewhere in the range between 60 and 65% as our revenue mix shifts you know, dramatically to the data center and away from the consumer market. Um, so, yeah, demand, um, demand is far higher than we're able to supply today but we expect that even with the constraints we have, we'll be able to, to deliver that kind of growth and anywhere between 25 and 30% EBITDA margins. Okay. And then the revenue model, is it just an outright sale? Are you doing some licensing, or what is the revenue model? There's no, yeah, that's right. No, it's a pure product sale model. There's no, there's no licensing. 
Okay. And then are, are there other products in the works, or is it just one product addressing different markets? Uh, I would say it's a, it's, it's um, a very fundamentally a very strong IP platform for copper cabling. However, it's a broad product portfolio addressing a very broad uh, range of end markets. So it's, it's not one product by any means. Uh, there are multiple products uh, addressing different markets, 5G infrastructure, data centers, uh, consumer, VR, etc. So unique products for each of these markets, but they're all leveraging the same IP, which is fundamentally what gives us a high leverage business model. Okay. And are there potential acquisitions for you out there, or do you have the pieces that you need? We have everything we need, Jeff. Okay. And then... So you guys are you're based in San San Jose and and you're right. trading uh, in in Canada. Um, are, are there plans to keep it that way, or do you want to uplist? So uh, we absolutely want to uplist, and um, we, we are that, that's definitely something that's in the works. We have announced we have not announced our plans yet as to what exchange and exactly when we would plan to do that. But we are thinking that 2022 is the year uh, to uplist to the U.S. Ultimately. Um, you know, discontinuing the Canadian listing and the OTC listing with it as well, uh, and be purely either NASDAQ or NYSE. That's, that's sort of the current thinking. Uh, we haven't announced definitive plans yet or timing, as I said, but that is our current thinking. We think that that is uh, highly beneficial to our shareholders, and I think North American exchanges are where we're going to get the best recognition and also the highest valuation. Okay. And then 2022, is that the year you think that uh, supply chain eases up as well? Ah, that's, that's, a, that's a multi-billion dollar question, Jeff. I don't know. I wish I knew. Uh, here's what I'm quite certain of. It's not the first half of, 22, of 2022. Uh, if we're lucky, it'll be sometime the second half, or possibly it'll be 2023 before we see the problems alleviated. But, but uh, your guess is as good as mine. We're working every day of the week with our suppliers, and uh, according to our suppliers, they're pretty booked up for 2022. So we're hoping more capacity you... will come online. So, so that issue is incorporated in, in your guidance already, correct? Yes. Yes, correct. Yes. Okay. And, and so how do we monitor the, the growth? What are the growth drivers and how do we monitor it? Is, is it design wins or what do we look at? Yeah, design wins are a very important metric. Um, we report how many we capture every quarter. When we report that quarter, we're up to 95 as of the September ending quarter of this year. Uh, each one representing a specific skew for a specific data center operator. That's a very rich pipeline of design wins, of which six have gone to production. We have another 89 on the way to, to, to revenue. Uh, so very strong tailwind, of course, of, of, of customers driving revenue. Um, that, that is one very good metric, but ultimately it's all about the financials. So uh, watch both of those. Okay. And then in terms of a design win turning into production, I know it's out of your hands, but is there kind of a rough guide of time? Yeah, like I said, it's, it's about a three- to four-year gestation period from the time you score a design win to when it goes through the whole development testing cycle and, and uh, flips over to revenue. Uh, so we have a strong tailwind of those. We've been working at it since 2017 and uh, are starting to see the fruits of, of all that labor. Okay. So as we watch the company over the next 12 months, uh, what are some of the things we ought to look for in terms of events or catalysts? Well, I think we'll be announcing more uh, operators coming online. 
um, you'll see more products um, showing up embedding Spectre 7 active copper cable technology. Uh, you'll see um, some of these design wins flip to revenue and <clears throat> start driving growth in the top line in addition to the uh, organic growth that's already um, materializing. So you see a number of top line drivers. You see hopefully margin gross margin expansion as well as the, as the uh, mix shifts more richly uh, to data center revenue. Uh, and you'll see continued EBITDA profitability and growth in our EBITDA percentage, margin percentage. Very good. Ruth, um, before we go, is there anything you want to leave us with? No, it's a, it's a, it's a great time at Spectra 7. A lot of excitement at the company, a lot of excitement in our customer base. Uh, we feel we're, we're really at a tremendous inflection point. And thank you for the opportunity to uh, share the story with you. Our pleasure. Thank you for making the time. Have a good day.